Hey, welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Jackie and Megan. Where we like to talk about things that are messy, awkward, hard, or controversial and create a space for healing. Hey guys, welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Jackie and Megan. Today we are doing another Protestant versus Catholic episode and we're going to be talking about purgatory and indulgences. Yeah, and before we start, we want to clarify that we will be talking about like the official doctrine because obviously like there could be a whole other topic on like the history of abuses in this, especially in like the medieval era. But I think in order to have a good faith discussion, we have to actually go to like, what is the actual doctrine? What is the official belief and custom, not ways it's been misused or abused? Um, Mm -hmm. If you want to do like a church history of like, oh, different, like how this has like shifted and changed, like that would be like a whole other conversation. So we will just be talking about the actual doctrine and belief of purgatory, Protestant Catholic perspectives, but going from what the Catholic position actually is, not what it maybe looked like at different points of history. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or how it was like being practiced in the church, which obviously we no longer, it is wrong and always has been wrong to sell indulgences. Um, And I think there's been a lot of like, yeah, misunderstanding of what purgatory is, what it means, and then in turn, what indulgences actually do. So we will get into that in this episode as well. And then Megan will also be responding for the more like Protestant view. So yeah, I guess I can start with, we'll start with purgatory. And what is the actual teaching of purgatory? So I think one of the most like misunderstood concepts of purgatory is that after you die, like purgatory is somewhere that you go where it's not decided yet. Like once you're in purgatory, maybe you could still go to heaven or hell and you need to like earn or like get better or clean yourself up or figure out what, like what you want, or I don't know before, or God will judge like, but it's a waiting period where you could end up in hell or you could end up in heaven. And that is not the teaching. Um, I'm going to read officially from the catechism, but purgatory is for those that are already saved. They are going to be going to heaven. Um, They will not be damned to hell. They are found to be within friendship with God among the elect that will be going to heaven. And let me find the official church, church teaching. This is catechism number 1031. The church gives the name purgatory to the final purification of the elect, which is entirely different from the punishment of the damned. That's from the council of Florence and the council of Trent. Um, The church formulated her doctrine of faith on purgatory, especially at the Council of Florence and Trent, which said that the tradition of the church by reference to certain texts of scripture speaks of a cleansing fire. As for certain lesser faults, we must believe that before the final judgment, there is a purifying fire. He who is true says that whoever utters blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will be pardoned neither in this age nor in the age to come. From this sentence, we understand that certain offenses can be forgiven in this age, but certain others in the age to come. Um, so to understand this doctrine and practice of the church is necessary to un- necessary to understand that. So we can get more into this, but just like briefly, like we think that sin has, has consequences, even if you are forgiven for them. And that's something that I think you can pretty see, see pretty clearly on earth that if I sin, if I do something, 
that has damaging effects on me and on others, um, but specifically more like talking about on yourself. And even if I am forgiven for that, I could be when I just practically when I'm sinning in this way, I'm increasing my proclivity toward that sin, my attachment to that sin. And that's not broken just like when I'm forgiven. That just means that I'm no longer bound to the eternal consequences of that sin, the eternal punishments that might come from that, that sin. And that's the same that we see, like Jesus saved us from having eternal being damned and doomed having these eternal consequences from sin, but he didn't take away maybe the more temporal consequences of sin. So that's what purgatory would be for, for people that are not fully ready to enter heaven. They're not damned, but they're not fully ready. They still have unhealthy attachments to things and they're not fully ready to fully love God or to let God fully love them. Um, so purgatory is a place, um, the purification frees one from what is called the temporal punishment of sin. Um, these two punishments must not be conceived as a kind of vengeance inflicted by God from without, but as following from the very nature of sin. A conversion which proceeds from a fervent charity can attain the complete purification of the sinner in such a way that no punishment would remain. So also a misunderstanding. We don't think that everyone goes to purgatory. There's some people that will suffer through or will be sanctified enough on this earth that will not have to go to purgatory. Um, we don't know how many people go to purgatory. What we really believe is that it is a place that exists, but I mean, there's no guarantee that even like people go to purgatory. Another misunderstanding is that it has to be an actual literal fire. That's also never been dogmatized in the church. That's definitely what some people think, um, but that's never been official church teaching. That's just kind of like a metaphor that there is some kind of like, you know, like a fire refines things, that there's some kind of final purification for some, um, but we don't really know. <laughs> haven't been couldn't, couldn't tell you uh, um but that's like some of the like maybe like misconceptions i would think that um people have had of purgatory that like oh it's like a get out of free card or something i don't know mm -hmm. like is this or it's it's this in between place that you could go either way um but that doesn't really make sense with once you're justified like with jesus is what he did for us like once you're justified there's no like oh i might go to hell um, so yeah, I guess Megan, you could respond to that. I don't know if, did, what was your understanding of purgatory growing up, Megan? If you um, have one. <laughs> I think I always viewed it or understood it. And once again, without even like asking or talking to anyone, but just from, I don't know what I've picked up in <laughs> culture, that it was some sort of like extra punishment, um, I think a lot of that can also come from like Dante's Inferno and <laughs> a lot of like the literature that is very like allegorical and fantastical. Um, none of that is like official at all, right. but it like right. seeps into popular culture, I think, to like kind of like create this understanding. So I think I always viewed it as like an extra, I don't even know if punishment is the right word, but I think because I knew that Catholics didn't have a distinction between justification and sanctification, I was like, oh, so it's a way to further gain justification before entering heaven is sort of like how I saw it. Yeah, um, and right. I know you mentioned like temporal versus eternal punishment. 
which I don't believe is a distinction very common in like Protestant circles. Uh, could you define that? Yeah. So, I mean, the word punishment. So you are like, that is, and that is the way that throughout the church at some points it's been described, or even the way that some sources I was reading, they would describe it as like this further like punishment. Um, but when I actually read the catechism, it's like, we want to like clarify that it's, they take the time to clarify that punishment is not conceived as like a kind of vengeance inflicted by God from without, but it's like following from the very nature of sin. So it's being purged and like cleansed of these unhealthy attachments to things that we have. Um, so, and like more like the natural consequences of sins, not like further punishment from God for those, but like the natural things that come from when we sin, even though we can re- be um, forgiven and repent. Um, or if it's like a venial sin, which that we've done an episode on mortal verse um, venial, like you can commit a venial sin and you're still just like still in the, in the realm of like being justified or saved. Like you're not without you're still within the church um even that like those still have consequences and there's still like this natural consequence to those things um so but some people will call it like punishment they're saying like it has to so i totally understand that language um but i think i like to use the word more like consequences it's like just the what naturally flows from like our consequences of sin and it's um So there's eternal punishment and then what we call temporal punishment or consequences. Eternal uh, punishment for sin is what we were all doomed for before Jesus died for us. Um, That is eternal damnation to hell. That would be the eternal punishment for our sins, what we actually deserve. (laughs) Um, And then Jesus, when he died for us, he took away that we're all eternally damned to sin. Like he he took away that that's what our fate would have to be. So some people will face eternal damnation because they don't choose God. They don't choose to be Christians, but Jesus did not take away that there could be temporal, temporal consequences or punishments for our sins. And I think that makes the most sense. Um, when I just look at life, like we, when I sin, those consequences, which I said, like, they're not just taken away or like the things that happen in my life. And it's not like those sins don't affect me. Even if I'm forgiven, it's not like God just wipes away that I'm still affected by those sins and those unhealthy attachments are still there. I think his grace. And if we submit to it, um, through time, like, and it is a suffering earth as we're purged from those sins, even here on earth, no, it's not on a literal fire that's burning, but like, it's not, it's not easy to be removed from those sins or from those proclivities that we have. And God does that in different ways. I think the amount that we cooperate with his grace to sanctify us here on earth and to prepare us for heaven, but there's still, which I think is hopeful, like people that could not fully cooperate or fully like accept that grace to be like very, you know, sanctified, which for us ties into like justification. So when they die, they die in the friendship of God and they're fully justified. But that's where there's like kind of a separation for us. Like that's when maybe they still need more sanctification because there's still some unhealthy attachments there, especially if it's like in regards to like a venial sin or a mortal sin that they did repent for truly, but they still have attachments to. And it's like, instead of seeing as punishment, it's like, God, we're not fully ready to be before God and to love God. And we just need like final purification. And I once heard, like, we don't really know what that looks like. Like it could be 
a moment like we have no idea the duration of it either like maybe it could be even like a moment of time or like because we don't know um that's also something that's never been dogmatized in the church um so I thought that was really interesting too because I even myself I was like oh we're burning we're burning in a fire or something I don't know and then it's for this certain amount of time um but we don't really know that um I think it's different for each person personally um which also goes into my belief about ghosts that we talked about in the last episode but anyway <laughs> curious so when you say like natural consequences for sin mm-hmm. um is there sin in that in, word i think maybe it's confusing is but, there oh, sin in purgatory like are we sinful in purgatory because like obviously here on earth like a lot of the times what makes our sanctification so painful or difficult is our own sin and the sin of others and living in a sinful, broken world. And so from like a Protestant perspective, we have that sanctification on earth, which the goal of sanctification is to become more like God, right? To be less of me and more of you, to become holier. And in my mind, that doesn't stop in heaven. Um, I think it is no longer hampered by sin. I think, I mean, we'll be spending an eternity with God and that process of growing more like him and growing in knowledge of him and growing in relationship with him. I think that's something that we will do for the end until the end of time, like throughout our time in heaven. And I think that's in scripture when it talks about like storing up treasures in heaven, like these people who have done these incredible deeds of charity here on earth have furthered their sanctification and will be able to enjoy God to a degree that maybe I won't when I first get there because I will still need to grow in my knowledge and love for him even as I'm in heaven but that's no longer hampered by sin so in my mind once we die and we enter the presence of God we are now in a place where sin is no longer and we can freely, without anything holding us back, be in relation with God. And so I guess I don't see how purgatory is necessary. I think, um, but I do think once you enter heaven, you don't have any attachment to sin anymore. And even if I am like successfully not like giving in to certain sins, that doesn't mean like I'm not still tempted toward that or have a proclivity toward that or like even a certain like level of attachment to that like I haven't like I'm still haven't like fully like like I yeah surrendered myself to God and so I do think I do think that when you enter heaven you lose all your attachments to sin and once you enter heaven like yeah maybe you can grow in more of a relationship with God but I think you reach almost a level that once you enter heaven I've always seen it as that you're perfect. Like once you and perfect, have a perfect, perfectly can be attached to God and you don't have anything like clouding you. And I don't think that that ends at death. Um, I think in purgatory, even you're not actively sinning. I do not think that. I think that once you're in purgatory, you are no longer sinning, but you can still have attachments to those sins. And I don't know exactly what that's like, there's no like set criteria. Like, well, if I do this and this on earth, then I can like avoid 
purgatory. I think God works in each individual separately and gives them each like different opportunities to be further sanctified and purified here on earth. And not everyone takes those, but they don't necessarily deserve to go to hell. And so I think we all just end up entering heaven at different or entering the, leaving the afterlife at different like levels of sanctification. Um, and I do think once you enter into heaven, like all your attachments from sin are free. And I don't think that that doesn't mean that you can't like grow in further knowledge and relationship with God. But um, yeah, I think that's how I would see it. Um, and it is interesting. I do think also think that some people will enter into heaven as well. And may perhaps like it, like they say, like some will have more goods in heaven. I still think that's a possibility even with purgatory. Um because once you get to purgatory, it's not like you can like make up and start doing more good deeds. Like you're, you're done with like whatever, like good that you can do on earth that perhaps would like store you up in heaven or that what you just said, like rewards in heaven, um, that could be more than others, but there's still maybe like some attachments that need to be, you need to be purified from. Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. Even if you don't agree with it, I don't know if that makes sense what I'm saying, like the logic. <laughs> I think so. Um, I also want to be clear. I wasn't saying that doing good things on heaven gets or on earth gets you right. like a better seat in heaven. Um, yeah. I think that would which be an incorrect view. I don't, which yeah, I, I don't, don't think you believe that either. I wasn't saying that. But I think it's that what is our, re our reward is Christ. And so to have a greater reward means that you know and are closer to Christ. Um, I think that should be our motivation, even on earth for our sanctification, um, is not to like avoid further suffering when we die. It is to be in a place where we know Christ more and are closer to him. Um and I, I think this does maybe just go back to like the distinction between justification and sanctification, because I don't see, I see like Jesus's sacrifice was sufficient, meaning it, like I am fully cleansed and considered right before God. So there is no need for like further consequences for my sin once I die. Like when I die, I have the hope and joy of I will meet God face to face. And in that moment, like I will no longer have these attachments or desires because all I will see is God and be like, oh my gosh, like you are everything. So, and I think scripturally, I, I would say that that is supported. I think we see in scripture, Paul like frequently talks about like, I long to like leave you and be with the Lord. Um, there's the thief on the cross, like today you will be with me in paradise. Um I think it's just very clear that hope throughout scripture and I don't see any strong scriptural basis for believing that there is like further cleansing required after death. And if there isn't strong scriptural basis for that, then why would it be a required doctrine to believe in? Mm -hmm. I have a couple of thoughts I want to like track back on. Um, so one, I do think that your reason for trying to glow, grow closer to God or being sanctified, you said, I agree. And I think that even with a view of purgatory can still be wanting to be closer to Jesus and more like Jesus. We talk about like imperfect contrition and perfect contrition. Um, Jesus still accepts imperfect contrition, which is 
that you just don't want to go to hell um, <laughs> or face suffering um, an eternal damnation. And a perfect contrition is just wanting to not offend God and wanting to be closer to God. And I think even with the view of purgatory, I think um, like your goal should be to want to be with Jesus and more with Jesus and to be able to love him more. And if you have that view, it's not going to be just like, oh, I want to avoid purgatory because it's a time of potential, like actual, like painful suffering, but it's a time of mean, like, I'm not, that means that I'm not fully unattached from things that I can fully love Christ and know him and love him in the way that I should. So that should be the number one reason for wanting to be further sanctified and wanting to grow, to grow in holiness and wanting even if there's also like, because the pain of purgatory is being separated from Jesus still and not directly with Jesus. Um, and I, the thief on the cross is interesting because I don't think that that negates a view for purgatory because not everyone will go, not everyone will go to purgatory. Um, that the thief on the cross, Jesus, like there are some people that will be fully sanctified enough and not attached to sin that they will go straight to heaven. It's not like a requirement okay, for but every like Christian. If anyone was going to need to go to purgatory, it would have been him. He was literally know. being executed for being a thief. The suffering on the cross could have been, and like facing Jesus face to face could have been like, Jesus, no, I don't know his heart. Like, I don't know exactly what it is that he would not like need to go to purgatory. Um, so like that doesn't really, I think, negate at all. Um like the possibility for purgatory um because i don't know like what it is exactly that like or what was going on inside of him or like we don't know that um so yeah and i think that the so we would see that there is scriptural basis and part of that is in maccabees which i'm not gonna bring up because that's not part of the um protestant canon but in the Catholic view, we would see that there's scriptural basis along with like, which goes back to the difference between Catholic and Protestants. Um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Es not eschatology, um, our epistemology of like where we feel we get knowledge or where our beliefs are based in. But I think there was, there was, I think it was Pope Leo or something that was like, we do see that scripture provides support for um, purgatory and then also in the church fathers, which is a different level of like, meaning it's a right view. Um, let me see, where were some, some of the, like the scriptures that we would point to? Oh, a big one that's brought up is, um, yeah, I think that's one, yeah, I think that's one we should address because that's the one where we both had thoughts on and like could give both of our different views on i think that's probably a very common one brought up because that one like very explicitly talks about like this refining fire so i don't uh megan maybe you want to do you have that do you have it um, yeah i'm just pulling it up it. um first corinthians 3 15 if anyone's work is burned up he will suffer loss though he himself will be saved but only as through fire do you not know that you are the you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, 
He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise and that they are futile. So let no one boast in men for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Kephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours. You are Christ and Christ is God's. You know, what's funny. That was the part of the second reading yesterday in the um, really liturgy. And I did that for Lexio. And as I was reading it, I hadn't read your document yet. And as I was, I did, I have a women's group every Thursday night. And then I, I do like prayer with scripture with them for people that don't know what Lexio Divino is, Divina is. And I was reading it and I was like, well, this sounds like a lot what, like what we'll talk about tomorrow. And then I read your document and I was like, that was kind of funny. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That was just funny because obviously <laughs> I was reading it and I was like, guys, this is weird. Cause tomorrow I'm talking about purgatory with Megan. And this feels like definitely a scripture passage that people could like dissect to decide if like purgatory is a right belief or something like would have to like wrestle with this passage. So I just thought that was funny. Um, yeah. So I think, so Catholics, they do point to the scripture sometimes to support purgatory. And I think that it could I think that if you're looking at it with a lens already of purgatory, it makes like total sense. Cause when I read it, I was like, Oh, duh. Um, we, yeah, I think it can point to it that we see that he speaks of a fire um, and perhaps a time of purification. So some people will build and have, will build a foundation in life in which it is truly laid upon Jesus and they are immediately saved. Um, and then some people though, they will, but they will, but they will need to go through more purification and they will be saved by fire. It's I think kind of like what he says. Um, they're still they're still saved and he's still having hope for them, but they need more purification. So you could see that as, oh, that's the people that go to purgatory. Um, that they are saved still, but they need more purification because they didn't, they weren't as sanctified on earth as those that go straight to heaven but are still justified but i know that megan has i think there's several commentaries on this mm-hmm. yeah um i think the context of the passage is a rebuke of spiritual pride which is why he's saying you know you think you're boasting in these like good things you're doing um but it's nothing like it will be burned away um and so it's i don't see like refining fire i i see that as very metaphorical in this passage just like a lot of times trials are referred to as fires but we don't think throughout our trials on earth are like we're literally getting burned alive every other day um and so i think the idea of salvation is retained throughout the entire thing and that the the point is a rebuke of spiritual pride that there's a commentary um barnes i can link it um it says the apostle does not say that christians will be doomed to the fires of purgatory nor that they will pass through fire nor that they will be exposed to pains and punishments but simply he carries the figure which he commends that says they will be saved as if the action of fire had been felt at the, on the edifice on which he is speaking. That is, as fire would consume the wood, hay, and stubble, so on the great day, everything that is erroneous and imperfect in Christians will be removed, 
and that which is true and genuine shall be preserved as if they have passed through fire. So in my mind, I feel like that scripture more so backs up the idea that at the moment of death, that is taking place, not that there is an extended period. Mm-hmm. But like you were saying, I think if you read it with a view or a lens of purgatory, you could come away with it. I don't think it's the natural reading of the text. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't read myself any like Catholic commentary on that. I saw it was used to support some views of purgatory. Um, and I will say that as just in a response to that, like to reiterate, because I think this can be a misconception that purgatory has to be like this literal burning or fire. It could still be like a metaphor that we're using for the idea of purgatory, um, just because we don't really know. And I think it, it was emphasized in what I was reading that some thought that purgatory had to be a burning fire. Um, even those that believed in it were like, oh, of course, it's this burning fire. It's like, well, we, God, or, Paul he's using that as a metaphor and that's like kind of like the metaphor that we're using for purgatory although we don't know exactly what it's going to be we I think we do agree that it it would be in some it's going to be in some sense like a pain or a suffering just as like what we go through on earth the trials that we go through on earth that God uses to strengthen and sharpen our faith um and on like detach us from our own sins it's never a fun process so that it would be like, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but it's that same idea, but moved into the afterlife. So I think, yeah, like our disagreement, well, there's a few of like disagreeing with same justification, sanctification. Um, but yeah, I think a disagreement would be that we think that that can continue after death um, and that there could be a time after death. And I think that they still, those people that even though they have that, they might have that time of purification, they can still have a great hope for heaven. Because I think that Paul is speaking to like, before that we were all damned to this eternal fire or whatever hell is. Um, I think it's just purely like being absent somehow from God, or I don't know, who knows? Don't want to go. But (laughs) yeah, I think that Paul can still speak to the hope of heaven and what he speaks to. And that could still have, there could still be a purgatory because he's speaking to like, we don't, we're not going to go to hell. Like there's not going to be this eternal fire or damnation for us. Um, So I think that's like how Catholics can read Paul and still have the view that we have with, with purgatory. And I will say that, like, I think Paul's passage can point to purgatory, but I don't think it's necessary because I was reading um my my catholic bible um and they were saying that paul at the time like probably didn't like have a sense of purgatory so he might not have been like like and i still think that could mean that like it could point to some form of like purgatory but like paul wouldn't have like a concept of that when he was writing that um so i don't necessarily like wouldn't look to that passage specifically um i think which we talked about this in our last episode because it was praying for the dead with halloween and that's something that throughout the tradition of our church, we think has been a huge support for purgatory. And you see times in the Bible, like to pray for the dead, I think definitely in Maccabees, which is not the Protestant Bible, but that we think like has been throughout tradition and like by many church fathers and um, theologians throughout time of like praying for the dead. And why would we need to pray for the dead if 
everyone goes straight to heaven because we can't pray the damned out of hell. So that's another reason Catholics support and keep the tradition of praying for the dead, um, which I think also might get more into when we talk about indulgences. We can talk more about that. I don't know. Did you? Yeah, have I think for, when it comes from the history, um, obviously I'm not a historian and I haven't done like an in-depth um like not either yeah research on like the historical doctrinal development of this um I will say I think when you read church fathers when they talk about praying to the dead one thing is it's all different (laughs) like the views of why you would pray for the dead or what that looks like is all slightly different it's not like this neat and tidy like oh we pray for the dead because they're in purgatory because there was like you know that kind of thing um so I think that can be used to back up either the Protestant or Catholic position because it's not like super clean cut, which is why both of us agree, you know, the like church fathers is not everything they wrote is like infallible. Um, so yeah, I think that's how I would yeah. look at like the history of this being present in the church, um, you know, with a lot of like Protestant critiques to Catholicism, it's that we see a lot of these doctrines as accretions as slowly developing and getting larger and larger until they're like problematic um so i think that would just be like how i would view a lot of that like historical i don't know evidence i guess would be a word um for like belief in purgatory um mm-hmm. but yeah indulgences i feel like we I will briefly say, oh, oh yeah i will ask it. you i want to ask you a question did you when i was talking to my spiritual director this was a really long time ago so he is a convert from Protestantism, and I forget which denomination, um, but he got like his MDiv in a Protestant seminary, and I forget what kind of sem- seminary it was, which, yeah, it's funny because most Catholics don't have what they call an MDiv, but he does. Um, and he was telling me that part of what convinced him of purgatory, or like part of what supported his view of accepting purgatory was that the Jewish had a tradition of praying for the dead. So it's something that went that far back. Have you heard of that before? Little bit. I actually have some Jewish friends. Um, so I could like ask them about it. I would be interested. Um, but from what I understand, I mean, you could you could say that is present in a lot of pagan cultures as well. Um, I don't think that necessarily like having that tradition be present in other religions, um, I think could be used for or against believing in purgatory yeah i would think it would be different than like it being in a pagan religion or the way that it was done but i would need if anyone listening knows i would love to hear i definitely need to do more research on that because it would depend on the nature of the way that they were doing it um because there would be a big distinction we would think the way that we pray for the dead versus how pagans might pray for the dead or the way they might try to interact with the dead or what yeah, um, which we talked a little bit about in our Halloween episode. I know, I know for, from what I understand, and if anyone is Jewish, please correct me. Um, I can talk to my friends about this too. But the like ancient Jewish view of the afterlife was very much more of like a limbo state. <laughs> right. So they like believed like everybody was in this sort of like limbo. So when they talk about like Hades or Shoal, that is mere that's not really hell or heaven it's just merely a word for being in limbo um and i think a lot of that has carried over where they wouldn't 
they wouldn't have a concept of purgatory or heaven or hell in the same way because they also don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus. So, yeah, I think it's it's definitely complex. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think it would be in the same way just because they they don't have the distinctions of like purgatory or like justification or sanctification. Like it was, it was a lot of like praying for the dead or praying for ancestors was because they were seen to be in like this state of limbo, <laughs> which mm-hmm. isn't something either of us believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not since Jesus came. <laughs> well, indulgences. So I know we like briefly touched on this, I think in our episode where we talked about incorruptible bodies, because we kind of like briefly mentioned like relics and indulgences. But could you define what an indulgence is or the purpose of an indulgence? Because I think a lot of times when people hear that word, they just immediately think of like the Reformation. And like we touched on before, that was like not the correct Catholic position. So could you give maybe a good definition? Yeah, um, I think one misconception is that they're like a get out of hell free card and Something that I didn't you pay, clarify. Pay your way out. <laughs> right, pay your way out. Um, If I could do that for other people, pay them out of hell, that wouldn't work with God's justice in the way that that works. But I'm just saying, there's some people that I wish I could like help. Anyway, <laughs> indulgences, which they are a way of lessening perhaps your time in purgatory, which we already have clarified. Purgatory is a time of further sanctification not a time of further justification or like it you could go either way and it's so it's for souls that are already saved so it's nothing to do with your salvation indulgences but your time and purgatory and they can only really be applied to people that are christian and are like already seeking the lord and wanting to be with the lord and can help help them further along in that journey um because you can apply indulgences to those that are already living. Um, and it would be as a like praying for your own self. Like if I wanted to go and do something to get an indulgence, it would be furthering my sanctification. And it would be because I'm actively like in that disposition to receive that grace. It can't just be applied to like someone that's not willing to receive that grace. And so obviously if someone's already in purgatory, they are obviously because they are Christians and they are wanting to be and will be with Jesus fully in heaven. Um, so it's not, it has nothing to do with being justified or being able to get your way out of heaven. And you should never be able to buy them <laughs> or because that, yeah, it comes from a sincere like place of wanting to be holier and wanting to be with Jesus in heaven. Not like I'm not going to do the work or I'm not going to like, allow my I'm not going to try to be in relationship with Jesus I just want to do whatever I want and then like try to like buy this free card of like to to not be in hell which I think there was definitely an abuse of them throughout history for sure I mean that was part of the um why the reformation happened so yes the council of Trent which is where they defined that indulgences are most salutatory for Christian people and that their use is to be retained in the church um which is kind of what I was just saying and it is the common teaching that ca- of Catholic theologians that indulgences indulgences may be applied to the souls detained in purgatory, um, and that indulgences are available for them. And the way the reason that we can perhaps offer up an indulgence for someone that is in purgatory is because Augustine, 
um, he talked about that the souls of the faithful departed are not separated from the church, which we would both agree with that, that like in some way we're all connected, um, while the, whether you're on earth as a Christian or you're already in heaven. Um, and we would see purgatory as a part of that. Like we're all within the kingdom of Christ. And for this reason, the prayers and works of the living and help the living are helpful to the dead. And I'll put like some of these sources here because a lot of them are Latin. So, um, <laughs> you mean you don't want to read was, Latin? <laughs> um, not particularly. Yes. So I just trying to like sort through, I like have all of these sources here and like long, but I don't think I'm going to just sit here and read this. Um, but Megan, I guess if you have a response to any of that initially, um, because I think indulgences were a huge rupture between the Protestant and Catholic church, partially mm -hmm. because of the just utter abuse that we would both disagree with. But there were like, like issues even with like the idea of indulgences, because if you don't believe in a purgatory, then like there really is no need or a basis for indulgences. I guess I'm curious of just the concept of like, someone else's sanctification somehow oh, being applied yes. to me because yes. I I think we can all agree that like the work of Jesus is applied to us mm -hmm. um but I don't think I would ever say that anyone assists my sanctification in the same way Jesus does um and I feel like if like these good works of saints can be like like it it almost sounds like to me and I know this is such a caricature so forgive me but like it almost sounds like a bank account where it's like oh they like filled up the bank account and so you can like take a loan <laughs> it's almost like oh they put it in the green and your account's in the red so like you they can transfer some into yours um and to me like I f that feels like a caricature because I'm like, there's no way that that's actually like the belief because that doesn't sound right. Yeah. Well, I will, I agree with you that none of us can participate in the sanctification of each other in the way that Jesus can. I would agree with that. Um, I think with indulgences, like it's not that you're offering up like your own sanctification is, is that what you said? Like our own sanctification is affecting someone else's. Is that what you, I wouldn't say in exactly that way, but more in the way of like, we can, we do think that our prayers for others are effective. And in some thinking of it almost as like prayers or a sort of way of like that those do affect others. And um, I had pulled and I was going to bring this up in part of the purgatory when we were talking about purgatory. Um, but I'm having trouble finding it. Okay, yes. So St. Paul, when I think of like, like the work again. that Jesus is doing, I think of when St. Paul says um, that now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake and in my flesh, I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. And what this doesn't mean is that Christ's death on the cross was incomplete with regard to redeeming the human race and reuniting us with God. But um, there's nothing that you can add to the infinite value of the cross. There's nothing that we can do, uh, which we would, that's where we would both agree. But that doesn't mean that, that well, how that ap actual application of those graces 
is applied to each soul. I think that God allows us to participate in that. I do think that our prayers and the things that we offer up for others can affect the sanctification. And I think to me, that just makes sense in the way that we support can support each other. And that I think that might even go back to like, that we really do feel like we can intercede for each other and have an effect on helping someone along in the relationship with Christ others. And I do think indulgences are like a very specific way and art can be more powerful than just like simply like prayers that you might offer up. Um, Cause I kind of see it in the way of like, I think I can pray for my friends here on earth and like in some way along the way, like on our journeys, like my suffering, I can't actually offer up for them and that can make a difference in their lives and that we can do the same in purgatory. And it's not that like you're forcing that upon that person because if they're not already open and willing to receive that grace, just as if like Jesus were to try to offer it to them, it wouldn't really make a difference. Um, so they have to be in like a certain disposition or already themselves like seeking to grow in that sanctification, which, yeah, I know that you would disagree on that, but I don't, I think it just like makes sense to me I don't think it's like foreign to me that the prayers and maybe that's because I grew up like thinking of like the prayers of the saints for other, for us and for others the things that they do can have actual like an effect on me and that their prayers praying for me can affect the heart of God um that I think that the same can be with our prayers for each other and for like offering indulgences as well and that that person also has to already be seeking and holiness in a certain like disposition you can't just apply that that wouldn't like be effective to people that aren't already seeking that yeah and I don't think that in any way takes away from what Jesus has done and maybe that's easier for me to like conceive of that because I already like I said have like this thought of like the saints specifically like Mary being a part of that so I think it like fits very well within the framework of Catholic theology yeah I think um I think it is important uh that we pray for one another and even take like our suffering as an opportunity to think not of ourselves but of someone else um I think that is very valuable in our own sanctification um I think it's it's a very holy endeavor um and I think our prayers do accomplish things but I don't think it's the act of the prayer itself that causes sanctification in another person um and I think I see that where indulgences because correct me if I'm wrong but indulgences aren't prayers or not all of them um I think they're all all the ones that I really know about are like yeah it's it's prayer what are are there some you're thinking of that aren't it's going and like you actively have to pray there and like think of who you're praying for specifically or it could be yourself okay. asking for one. Um, <laughs> um, like the one I just thought of most recently, I actually thought talked about in our last episode was going to a cemetery and then like praying specifically. So in my understanding, all of them involve like it's you praying. Yeah. yeah. Someone at their Catholic, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I should like look that up right now. <laughs> Um, I'm not someone that's like really like been super like seeking out indulgences. I'll say it. Maybe that makes me a bad Catholic. Um, <laughs> we would at our school, there would be like certain feast days or like, if you go like, 
praying or like doing certain things like you could earn indulgence I didn't do it like was I there no um maybe I should think about that more if I believe in purgatory <laughs> Catholic I'm trying oh example maybe oh Megan I just looked up just indulgence examples <laughs> and I forgot that there's an actual just like definition for the term indulgence and that buying yourself Google something that. that you don't need be a cookie video <laughs> gamer time in Nicholas is an indulgence <laughs> I was like, oh well then I'm 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 fine then I'm on my way. Um no examples of Catholic indulgences. Did you find anything, Megan? No, I think I think a lot of the ones I'm thinking of do come from the time of the Reformation. So I don't know that it's like super fruitful to oh. bring up because Oh I it, see. It did involve like paying for certain things. Um mm. oh, or yeah. like seeing a certain relic or doing something like that so I think that is just like stuck in my head and I don't know a lot of like modern examples yeah some of them was visit the blessed sacrament for adoration for 30 continuous minutes which is praying devoutly participate in a eucharistic procession spend three entire days in retreat oh I've done that cool you're like wait a second do I have a lot of indulgences <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think at the, at the end of the day, this a lot of this does come down to like our different views of sanctification and justification. Um, because I think the Protestant perspective would be that while like prayer, yes, is like so important and valuable, um, the fate of the dead are not are not affected by prayers or the work of the church yeah. of the people of god yeah. on earth um and there i think luther had a quote where he talked about like when someone passes like it's okay to like one or two times like pray like lord have mercy on them um but then you're supposed to just let it be and i think that would be the perspective i would encourage someone and say that i i don't think we should be dwelling on the fate of those who have passed and whether or not they are, are they suffering in purgatory like do i need to do these indulgences do i need to pray for them i think that there there is a freedom in just releasing that and surrendering that to the lord um when someone passes and i think there can be great comfort in that so yeah, I think it just really does come down to our, our views of justification, which makes sense that it was such a pivotal aspect in the Reformation, since that was like a cornerstone of the Reformation was justification by faith alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And because like, I think why this all maybe like makes sense to me is because I reject justification by faith, al faith alone. Um, mm -hmm. Not just me, uh, like the Catholic Church. That's Jackie. <laughs> I reject that um yeah and for me it's like the catholic teaching obviously that's why i'm catholic like makes more sense and i think like i would also encourage you know those to not be anxious um but i think it can be good to continue to pray for um the dead and hopefully to not to not have anxiety about it because we still should be fully entrusting that the lord um is allowing what will be most like what will allow that soul to come to him and that he won't unjustly have someone in purgatory. Um, and I think it also sanctifies the believer themselves in doing those things. Um, especially, I just think like my grandma, she still every year 
I think she still does this, has like a mass said for my grandfather. Um, and I just think like, I don't see how that could be harmful um, unless you are approaching it with a very anxious like way, which I would, <laughs> me, one of the most anxious people I know, um, I would discourage <laughs> approaching anything with that kind of anxiety. But I, yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I do understand, and I think Gavin talked about this, like this, um, this comfort in the thought of that when you die, there would be no like middle place and that you would go straight to heaven if you were a Christian. Um, and I think there's some grounds for like St. Therese talks about um, that we shouldn't think that we're going to purgatory because I've seen an unhealthy, like, like almost belief among people where they're like, oh, I'll just go to purgatory. Like they don't really, which I think needs to be like purged, <laughs> refined out because that's not like a sincere person, like seeking Christ. Like, mm -hmm. no, you should not want to just like settle for mediocrity here on earth because like, oh, purgatory is there. Like, that's just like, not how that should work as a Christian or someone like pursuing holiness. Um, but St. Therese talks about like, we shouldn't worry or fear of purgatory. We should fully entrust ourselves to the mercy of God and like be little. And even in that herself, she thought you could completely avoid purgatory because you were just so surrendered to the mercy of God and we're allowing him to work so fully in you. So that's also like an interesting thought. And they made her a doctor of the church. So that's like the approach that I take um I don't really think mm -hmm. about purgatory much <laughs> um more of the thought that like I'm actually glad that it's there because I think that see that's what it reminds me of like that reading of Paul even though I know it could be like taken out of context but like when I read it I was like oh this is like hope for those that on earth like really don't live a life like maybe in a lot of ways not for God but they do end up repenting or like they don't really fully like detach from sin, but like God still wants to have them in heaven with him. But he wants, we see it as more of like a, like a love, a thing of love. Like you're just not ready yet to be fully in heaven, but that doesn't mean that you're damned to hell either. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's yeah, interesting. I think that our other beliefs very much affect being mm -hmm. able to accept purgatory or not, because for me, it just like makes sense and it's funny that it always comes back to that it's like oh well it makes sense within my belief system like all of those things flow from each other um whereas if i just tried to take purgatory and plop that in like a protestant context it, just, it would not make any sense um and that's why like there's so many other like things that would need to be worked through first um vice versa if you tried to like plop within catholic theology like absolutely no possibility or like idea of purgatory that wouldn't mm -hmm. really like make sense to me either so yeah i don't know if that <laughs> it's definitely interesting to think about um yeah and i think at the end of the day like you were saying like it it's hard for us to even know like what exactly that looks like because, and we mentioned this in our last episode, like people have near-death experiences and I think those can be very compelling, um, but I don't think that they could be taken as as gospel because everybody's experiences and perceptions can be different. Um, yeah. There can be other factors involved. Like it's, it's very complex. Um, so yeah, we can't really ask anyone who's been to like give us an account for the experience. 
Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it is sort of just the natural fruition of a lot of these doctrines that are like foundational in our different traditions. So it's, it's interesting to see how those play out, you know? Mm -hmm. And this is not like, this is my, my own like reason, which I, I don't think you could use this as like an argument for purgatory. I think it's something that a belief that flows from that we believe that purgatory is something is that our belief in theology of like why ghosts can exist. And like mm-hmm. just the stories I've heard, like it just like strengthens my own belief, and that I think that there can be like this place, which I think you could also interpret those in other ways. But just like even experiences that I've had, like I don't know, I'm like, oh, that just like aligns with what I believe, and yeah. So those like personally for me <laughs> support my view of purgatory. I would never use them as proof, um, or like in the church doesn't either. Like, well, there's ghosts. So I guess I mean, purgatory is real. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that wasn't in the catechism. Um, ghosts, obviously, but yeah, I feel like we could talk about that more like a paranormal episode. Oh, like Megan, what ghost do you hunters, think Jackie like and Megan. <laughs> Megan told me once, cause I was like, Megan, what do you think the spirit at the Joe was then? If like per- doesn't exist that was like because we prayed and then it stopped and like I was like I literally think that's exactly what happened and Megan was like I have a theory I was like what do you mean do you remember that Megan you're like well I have a theory <laughs> yeah and I was like we should that talk could be about a whole it. episode <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> I was like well I want to know more about this <laughs> what is your theory well let us know your thoughts I know we have people from a couple different Christian traditions who follow us and listen along. So we love to hear your guys' perspectives um, on why or why not you believe in purgatory. So let us know. And yeah, thanks for listening to us just fight and just deck it out. Like, yeah, we're just so aggressive. <laughs> if anyone was looking for that, they're going to be like very disappointed. So like just very disappointed. Where's the heat? <laughs> yeah, seriously. I think we were more tame than even like Trent and Gavin and Gavin's like not at all mean or aggressive (laughs) so um also I feel like there are so many like resources like both of us had and if you wanted to read more or like where we got these we'll leave resources in either the description or the show notes because I had like paragraphs and paragraphs about indulgences there's just no way I mean you guys don't want us to sit here and read those yeah yeah you don't want me to sit here and read this um (laughs) I don't think that's why you came to our channel. Probably not. So <laughs> yes. And yes, we would love to hear your thoughts because um, it does seem like we have people from many different that have very different mm-hmm. like beliefs. So yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening and tune in for our next disagreement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> our next fight. Knockdown, drag out fight. <laughs>